The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. When do we take control of our lives and our destiny? We're a small country, but we punch way above our weight. Like, I'm filming now with this day, to be honest with you. I thought it was one of the hardest things to do. It was horrendous. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, give you more chances to win family passes to Funderland later this morning. It's a free Funderland Friday all day on Cork's 96 FM. And I have family passes to give away a little bit later. I was off yesterday, thanks to Fiona. Feel a bit sorry for the boys outside the door with their banners and their posters and their spoofing. Sorry, lads, I had to go and collect a big check from all the people who were paying me off, and I just couldn't come in. <laughs> oh, stop. I think they got there just as there. It's on the breakfast show this morning, anyway. 185715. Good morning to you. And, uh, where are we going? Oh, yeah. I was, uh, as I said, off, off yesterday, and then I heard this. And I, I must say, I read the tweet from uh, Thomas Gould. Um, yesterday and I laughed and I thought, you know what, I might fight with Thomas Gould from time to time we might have the odd row on the programme, but I had to say it was some tweet You're sitting there now in your ivory tower with your Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and speculator buddies, where we're on the ground with ordinary people who are suffering and that is the difference ye believe in looking after the well-to-do, the wealthy developers and Minister, people tonight don't have homes, they're worried about how they pay their rent, they're worried about how they pay their mortgage, and there's nothing in housing for all for them. I love this tweet, he says. Here's a message to Barry, Barry Cowan. I'm proud to be from Cork. I love the Cork accent. It's the accent of Terence McSweeney, of Chris Deering, of Katrina Toomey. It's the accent of our families and our communities. It's the accent that tells our story and our history. It's who we are. Corking a boo like Thomas Gould. We don't often agree, but my God, I was applauding you last evening. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thanks very much. <laughs> I love the Cork accent, and it's great to hear it in all its glory in the dawn. But what happened? I couldn't find the audio this morning, Tom. No, the audio wasn't available because there was a comment passed. What happened, PJ, on Wednesday night when we were voting? There was a vote on the. Um, the Health Amendment Bill to extend emergency powers to the Minister. Now, we had voted against this because we felt that if there's any more action needed in relation to COVID and emergency powers, it should be the Doyle that would do it and the TDs and not the Minister. Yeah. But the government, the government ran it through, even though a lot of the government TDs were against it. They, they, uh, you know, they supported the, the government. This was so, the, the piece of legislation or the amendment needed that everything is supposed to come to an end COVID-wise on the 22nd of October. This is kind of a, a just-in-case amendment, isn't it? In case something awful happened in the next six months and we had to go again. Yes, and to be honest, PJ, that's not the way to carry out legislation. 
We supported the government in relation to COVID, right? But we said in July, enough is enough. If something needs to be done, you, the Doyle will make a decision and work with the government like we've done already. Like, there's no need. We don't believe there was no need for those extra powers. And what happened at the But it wasn't, like, and, and, and kind of not, not, just before I get to what happened, it's not extra powers. It's only a case of, look, we're, they're supposed to finish on the 22nd of October, but just in case, a rogla and a hogla, the fear of the fear, the worst of the worst, let's hold on to the actual ability to do it for another six months. That's all it was. Yes, well, PJ, what happened here was I took a photograph of the big screen. Oh, yes, I saw that. Doyle, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I took a photograph. And if I did, Paul Cure from Phoenix here got very upset. And he said I shouldn't be taking photographs. And he wanted my phone confiscated by Seth and Breed Smith. Yes. And so the Count Corlin said that there should be no one taking photographs in the dial, but no one should be on the phones either. And I'm looking across the benches at Phoenix Hall and Phoenix Hill, and three quarters of them are on the phones. And the tarnished was on his phone. And I said, to, I went back to Paul Cure and I went, there's one rule for, I said, we'll have the same rules here. And I said, if there's one rule for me, it's the same rule for you. And five minutes later, Paul Cure himself was on his phone in the chamber. So sometimes the hypocrisy, and I tell you what happened, PJ, I'd given them, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, I'd spoken a lot of issues this week, really important issues, and I'd say they were just, they were sick of listening to me. We're back in the chamber again now, like in the convention centre, it was so big. We well, know we're in the chamber yeah. and we can take the fight to them. And I said, they were looking at me and I said, we have enough. Like, you're in the council with me for years, PJ. You know that uh, uh, I'm not afraid to stand up. You might very well think that I couldn't possibly comment. Go on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Go on anyway. But it, it, it all got a bit heated. What did Barry Cowan say? Actually, I don't know what he said, PJ, but what happened was. Um, the mics never picked up his comments, but it's clear people told me he was mocking my cock accent. No. And then what happened was the the Fianna Fáil and the Fianna Gael CDs turned with just after sniggering and like I'm not making a big deal of it, but the point is it's really inappropriate. You know, we're in the dial chamber uh, for someone to be getting mocked about their accent and for TDs to be sniggering. It's like, mm. listen, I, I've spoken really big... Well, there's kind of no time for any of that nonsense in the doll chamber. I mean, I, I, and I know you weren't happy with me last week when I when I said it to you about Mary Lou MacDonald and Michal Martin going at it hammer and tongs with each other. But there's no time for that kind of messing around in the doll anyway. Please, just to let the listeners know, this week I was on the housing committee. I spoke about opening up meetings for those in the year and smart recovery. I spoke about the shortages of staff in the coroner's court to have people waiting over a year for an inquest. I also spoke about alcohol-free events in the nighttime yeah. economy. Uh, I spoke about the special school of Carrigaline, how 25 out of 32 children in this new school have no transport and go, can't go to school. Yeah. I also spoke about the elective hospital, how the government are trying to put a part-time hospital yeah. in Cork, and I wanted on an outside. Yeah. And I also launched my credit card bill yeah. to ban use of credit cards and gambling. Yeah. You, you, so, you, you, you keep yourself busy, Thomas, to be fair, but I think what your response to Barry Cowan was done, and I, ha- I was getting to this, I don't think that on the floor of the house is, is anywhere for people to be bitching across the, the room with each other. It was your tweet, actually. Yeah, it was, was how you did. That was the right way to do it. Yes, yes. Thanks, PJ. And that's, I, to be honest, I just want to let uh, I suppose people in Cork and people who follow me on social media know um, 
like, I, I don't think this is this is an issue yeah. that I, I won't be following up like, on. Were you, were you, were you offended by people mocking your actions? I mean, like, is there... And look, the Healy Rays get, get divil and all mockery. I'm sure people from Donegal, any regional accent gets mocked. Were you... Do you think it's unkind in these modern days where we're all been told to be kind? Well, it's unappropriate, PJ, because I'm well able to speak and I'm well able to stand up for myself, but not every TD or person might be able to. Some people... And it's it's condescending, and not everyone is condescending on me, PJ. It's condescending on people from Cork or from any regional area that... Uh, that people think that they can have these snide remarks and they can have a giggle and a snigger at someone else. It's it's really childish. And to be honest, that's not what we're in the dial for. We're in the dial to do serious business. And that's what they should be focused on. Right, right, right. Come here, come back to the issues of the day. Um, and you've, you've been, I don't know if you spoke about it in the dial, but the, 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 the amount of money raised for the UCC food bank on, on the GoFundMe. Like, when I was coming to air, or at least a quarter to nine, there was €20,580 in that GoFundMe account. Yeah, well, Peter, I was discussing the dial yesterday. I was talking to a UCC student as well yesterday in relation to it. They were explaining to me how they ran out of food. Um, and, you see... The, the, for some people, college is a great time. If you don't have worries with money and you don't have worries about accommodation and you love, you have a good course, listen, brilliant stuff. But for a lot of students and a lot of families, they're really struggling to pay the rents, to pay the fees, to pay the transport, to pay the books and the other expenses. And for them, this food bank, I think the UCC Students Union should be commended on the work because they saw that there were students there who were struggling. And for anyone who donated to GoFundMe, I didn't even see the GoFundMe page, PJ, until uh, Fiona said it to me earlier. Yeah. I think fair play to everyone. 20,580. 20, 20, I, I had the link. I just I can't find it right now, but I had the link up in front of me. Yeah, and that was at quarter to nine. Because, PJ, what that link, what that food bank might do, that could be the difference on students being able to stay in college. That, like, to be fair, a lot of people to go to college is, is their dream in life, and at the moment it's very hard. And I, I, I spoke to a family there who was after going to Mary in Limerick, and they reckon it's going to cost, cost the family sixty thousand. Yeah, this is a normal family piece. And we shouldn't have allowed the situation to get like that. What about the question that was coming in? I know Fiona was discussing this yesterday morning when I wasn't here. But but, but the question or the comment or the observation does come in. You know they're queuing up for a food bank, but they don't ever seem to be short of money for drink. But PJ, they must be. I'm not sure the figures now, but. There must be ten or twelve thousand, maybe sixteen, even sixteen thousand students in the colleges in Cork. You know, even more. It's closer so, to twenty. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the twenty thousand students. If you have a couple of thousand in Cork City uh, during the week socialising, there's still sixteen or eighteen thousand students who are at home in their digs or sharing accommodation at a home who are struggling. So listen to those to those students. Socialising is part of their college life once they don't interfere with the residents out there which is very important and I think UCC needs to do a lot of work on that 
But for the vast majority of students, PJ, you know you've been talking to me yourself over the years. College is a great experience, but no, because of rents and fees and yeah. everything else, so really, really, and yeah. it shouldn't be that hard. You, you can't, PJ. you can't study for a degree when you're surviving on coffee and pot noodle. I'm not too sure who said that during the week, but, but I had to agree with them. Even though, even back in the time when I was in college, and I have to say that's not an area yesterday, Thomas. A lot of people did go through college on coffee and pot noodle, so that's not a new thing. Listen, good to talk to you and uh, the Cork accent. Keep it strong and keep it loud in the dial. That is uh, Cork North Central TD for Sinn Féin, uh, Thomas Gould. Throw one out to you this morning. Like, what do you? think of, of the Cork accent in the doll, And I'm sure they asked the same question in Kerry when the Healy Rays, Danny in particular, stand up to have their spake as they do. And I'm sure people say when one of the Donegal TDs or maybe, I mean, like, like what do you make of Matty McGrath, for example? Like, when you have those strong regional accents in the doll, those are the 158 people elected to represent us from our communities. But the Cork accent, let's take it through the programme this morning. It has changed over the years. There used to be half a dozen of them. Now there's two or three. But I think the Cork accent is a beautiful thing. I love it. I love to travel and I love to hear the Cork accent anywhere in the world. I heard the Cork accent in a police station in India and I was never more grateful to hear it anywhere. I'll tell you that story some morning if you have time. So, the Cork accent. Proud of it? Or do you cringe when you hear it? I love it. I mightn't always agree with some of the stuff that the Tommy Gould has to say, but I gotta say, I love to hear the Cork accent in the door. sitting there now in your ivory tower with your Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and speculative buddies where we're on the ground with ordinary people who are suffering. And that is the I love to hear the Cork accent in the door. What do you think of it? Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie the best football league in the world is right here. Firmino with the flick. Salah! Fernandez, he's going to go for goal. Oh, what a goal. The Premier League Live, powered by Top Sport. Join me, Trevor Welch, exclusively online at 96fm.ie. Tune in Saturdays as we ramp up the excitement for the day's biggest games. We'll bring you pre-match analysis, live commentary and in-depth interviews with some legends of the sport. The Premier League Live With Now Stream live Premier League action With a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership Listen every Saturday Exclusively online at 96fm.ie Or download the Cork's 96fm app Can we just talk the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, a few people asking me, when am I going to do the Funderland Passes? I have two Funderland Passes to give away today. Am I going to tell you when? No, I'm not. You'll have to hang around and listen. But I have two Funderland Passes today. And you're listening to Cork's 96FM all day to win your way to Funderland with family passes to give away. I have two to give away this morning, all right? Later, on the Cork accent, on WhatsApp, I love the Cork accent. I've been living here since 2005. I'm Polish, and many times when I'm meeting people for the first time, they tell me my English isn't only with a Polish accent, but a Cork Polish accent. Actually, I have to say, and to our Polish listeners, of whom I know there are many, many, I love the way 
the Polish accent blends with Cork. Because one thing about our Polish friends, when they came over here uh, in a few, a few years ago, they, they actively went out of their way to learn Irish, or le- Irish, learn English, so many of them. And, and their English is brilliant. But when the Polish and the Irish accents, Cork accents, meet, the blend is one of the nicest accents I've ever heard. i got to tell you. I cringe when I, peop- when I hear people from other con- counties mocking at PJ, says this one. I don't just mean in the doll. Are you saying you don't like the Cork accent then? I love the Cork accent, says Claude's. All regions should be represented in the doll. As long as our representatives speak well and clearly, are we all supposed to sound like Dubliners? Mick Barry, are you listening? No, stop. 1850 715 Now, Focus Ireland has released its annual report showing the charity helped 1,800 people avoid homelessness in the last year. They're having their annual sleep out on Spike Island on the 15th of October, which is next weekend. The aim of the event is to raise awareness of the homelessness situation and to raise some funds for their services. I've been speaking to one young woman who they've been helping here in Cork over the last couple of years. Her name is Giovanna. Giovanna, it's a question that I'll start with because I suppose there's probably a hundred different answers as to how somebody becomes homeless. So what's your story? How did it happen to you? Um, Well, basically, I was uh, living at home and then I went into student accommodation for college and my college was up. I had nowhere to go, really. I couldn't find anywhere. And uh, I looked up into the foyer and uh, they were a great help. And I stayed there for a while. And uh, when my time was up with them, I had to move on. But I was yeah. surfing for a while. What's the foyer? How does that work? The Cork foyer. It's basically uh, for youths at the risk of homelessness uh, between the ages of 18 and 25. So how did you get a place there? Uh, I linked in myself, I went in and I just asked was there an application to apply uh, to get in and they said yeah and I I was lucky enough to get a place within a few days with them. Right. And is that just a a room or a bed or is it a dormitory or what is it? Um, It's basically you have your own bedroom and your own bathroom and uh, you have a fridge inside in your room for your own food and you have communal areas which is like the sitting room and the dining room and I think there was a computer room as well and basically that was it. Mm. And have you to pay rent for that then? Yeah, you did, depending on how much money you had coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were there for how long? I was there for about two years, just over two years. Do you have a two-year contract and... I know it sounds kind of bad that it's a two-year contract, but it's still like you know it's a, it's it's to introduce you into independent living yeah. more than uh, more than like you know oh you're off you're not uh, on the streets like you know yeah it's not like oh you're in here and you're not homeless it's it's like it's trying to teach you an independent way of living from hmm. from that age you know and were you able to learn anything that equipped you for life afterwards? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, I'm sure. Everybody that has been in, in and out of there has probably learned as, as much as I have. There's study groups as well that they do as well inside. Yes. So then you left the foyer and you had to couch surf. That's not easy. No, but thankfully, you know, to, to most of my friends that were helpful at the time were letting me stay at their places most of the time. 
you know, like some of them gave me a room for a while until I moved on to another place and yeah. so on. But it's not, it's not fun, you know, moving from one place to another. Oh, apart from having to drag all your belongings around, which is not good for your self-esteem, I'd say. No, no, <laughs> not at all. How did you eventually get sorted out or how, or did you get sorted out? Did you eventually find a place? Uh, yeah, I was living uh, with a with a boyfriend at the time, but uh, things weren't working out, so uh, kind of needed a place straight away. More than yeah, like uh, like it wasn't that I was so bad, you know, at the start. But then when it got to a certain point that I had to like you know move out of there, it was it was kind of like well, thankfully that Focus Ireland had a place just in time. You know, it was just good timing, and before COVID hit as well. Very good. So what's the yeah. process then of getting a place from Focus? It depends on your situation, I suppose. Like for me, linking in every week with Focus was my main thing, you know, making sure that I, I was linking in with them and keeping them up to date on how I was getting on and how my work was getting on and, you know, mm. just just get keeping them in the loop on my my health and stuff because you know that's what they were more worried about yeah. and and what supports then do they provide you in your search for a place to to stay well they they provide a lot of stuff they provide uh depending on the person i suppose but uh with me they they provided me with a with a happy little place you know i'm not complaining you you effectively go on a waiting list for them is it it is basically, yeah. But they do tell you to like link in with other people as well and they help you link in with other people, in, you know, just in case that they can't help within the meantime, you know. Now, you're also entitled to HAP, but HAP won't come yeah. anywhere near what a private landlord wants, will they? No, not at all. It's, and it's, it's kind of, it's not that it's a hassle, but it can be a hassle, you know. It's not the people that people, especially for the people that aren't making that much money per se. You know what I mean. And it depends on wh- how convenient they want it as well for themselves. So you've got your place now with with focus, and that gives you, I guess, a bit of certainty as to where you're going to be for the next while. Yeah, for now, anyway. Roof over my head. <laughs> and is it like it was with? The foyer, is it a contract or can you stay there for as long as you need to? Uh, it's contracted, but like for now, especially with the whole COVID situation, you know, like they can't, it's not that they can't, it's just, you know, they won't push me out. Right, right. So why would you encourage people, Giovanna, to support Focus in their uh, annual sleep out? Um, well, it's, it's mostly because people just you know if you people for for the homeless and themselves you know like a focus island or linkedin with a lot of other places that do the homeless acts like um i don't know what other homeless associations are out there mm. uh, simon and all them like you know they link in with them as well so any of them they're all usually linked up together and if you're supporting one you're kind of supporting them all really yeah. but focus isn't one of the main ones that kind of they go through them you know and, and it's people like you that they're helping Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you're settled now. You've got a place for the next while, and thankfully, things are going okay. Until I find my own place, and then it'll be pure hassle. 
Yeah, but at least at least with the winter ahead now, you don't need to worry about couch surfing for a while. No, no, thankfully. Thank mm. God. Giovanna, I appreciate you sharing your story with us and thanks for joining me on the Opinion Line. I appreciate your call. Thank you. That's Giovanna, just one of the people helped by Focus Ireland. John says, we have plenty of Cork TDs that communicate with more authority and enunciation than Deputy Gould. I, for one, would prefer to be represented in that way. I do not feel he deserves to be mocked in any way, by the way. I just think he could do better. It's a point. They Actually, they, well, they speak in other Cork accents, John. There are many, many, many versions of the Cork accent. Give a mention to the girl in Lidl in Churchville. There's a thing, actually. You know the ads on at the moment? Lidl or Lidl? Is it Lidl or is it Lidl? Is it Lidl as in fiddle? Is it Lidl as in needle? Or is it Lidl as in bone idle? Which one is it? Actually, my mother-in-law had the best one of all time. She was probably the only person in the world who could come up with her own name for it. We were arguing whether it Lidl or Lidl or Lidl. And she'd send you down to Liddell's. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Darren and Demi. Live. Saturdays 2 to 6pm. On Cork's 96FM. Saturday, Darren and Demi bring you the best weekend vibes. Fill your afternoon with the best music mix. Entertainment news and lots of laughs. <laughs> Darren and Demi. Darren and Demi. Live. Saturdays 2 to 6 p.m. So good. Corks 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Corks 96 FM. Yeah, got sidetracked there talking about the, the girl in Lidl in Churchfield. I didn't finish it. She's Polish, but she has all these Corkisms, and people love her for it. Just, oh yeah, we got this in. I wanted to. Oh God, where have I put this now? I've, I've put this somewhere now and I can't find it. Um, but, hang on. I, 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 we got this uh, note in earlier in the week from a listener who was wondering, there it is, had you had the same experience? And I was kind of thinking the same thing. You know the way you take a photograph of somebody and then you, or you do something silly without asking someone their permission kind of thing? And I'm not talking about that in Dangerous now or that in GDPR, the one that old hooey, but... This came in during the week and I just thought I'd give it to you today. PJ, when I was about 18, our phone rang at home. I was the only one there, so I answered it. It was a well-known photographer who had taken my sister's graduation photos the previous week up in UCC. They asked if they could use the photos in their graduation advertising campaign up in UCC and CIT. Sure, of course, I said, no problem. Without checking with anybody else, of course. And forgot completely to tell my parents or my sister. A few weeks passed and my sister, very shy and private person now, went up to UCC. And what did she see? Only her photos plastered all over the college. Well, of course, she was horrified. And when she came home, she was raging. And I heard the fuss in the kitchen. 
And I went in and asked what's going on. And she told, she told me what happened. And then, of course, the penny dropped and it clicked. Oh, yeah, says I. Um, they rang a few weeks back there and so I said it was fine. Didn't go down well at the time. But we do laugh about it now. Did that ever happen to you? <laughs> I think that's gas. Ah, go on away, sir. That's, that's great. Uh, yeah, no, I'll live light with it. Oh, grand, off you go. Never told. Never told the city. Uh, or the, the parents. Oh, it's it, officially, apparently, it's Lidl. Yeah, I know. Lidl's. Lidl's is another one. Lidl, 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 Lidl. Lidl rhyming with Lidl is apparently the correct pronunciation. Yeah. I love the Cork accent, says D. Makes me proud of where I come from. And hearing it in the Doyle, uh, by the likes of Thomas Gould, makes others listen to us. It's a good Cork accent with passion. Reminds us of our ancestors, leaders, and continues to fight for the ordinary rights of the citizen. I love our city and have respect for those who continue to fight and change the, to change the ways and the views of others. Right. Oh, yeah. It seems to me every accent outside the Dublin or Wicklow areas is categorised as a culture to our fellow Irish who come from that part of our country. It's always been such, and alas, I don't imagine it'll change. You may have heard the RTE accent even in Cork, with many of our local reporters pronouncing the R like R. I rest my case, says Tom. Oh, don't get me started on the way we pronounce words in... In 2021, Tom, don't don't even get me started on that. 1850-715-996. Right, this is Dwarfism Awareness Month. Now, on my weekly podcast, which goes up on a Saturday called 20 Minutes With, you'll find it on Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. I have a, a weekly guest where we chat for in or around 20 minutes, might be 22, 23 the odd day. But my guest on this week's one, as in the one we went up last Saturday, is Carol Rice. And we talked a few weeks ago, and she said to me, look, can you run that during Dwarfism Awareness Month? And we talked about Carol's own story. And then she, I said, look, will you come on the show? We'll talk about it. Because it's something that I didn't realise just how common it is, just how many kinds of dwarfism that there are, until I sat down for a chat with Carol Rice. And the thing is, Carol, I know that even though we use the term Dwarfism Awareness Month, you, you don't even like the word. Good morning. Hi, TJ. How are you? Um, I just want to firstly say congratulations to your podcast. Um, I've been listening to some of the amazing stories on it. Thanks. So gigantic congrats for that. Um, yes, personally, I'm not a fan of the word um, Dwarf um, at all. And I know some people use it, even sports organizations within the people community use it. I suppose for me personally, um, I just feel it's it's a very outdated word and I had that with you that it makes me feel like I stepped out of the cartoon Snow White in the Seventh yeah. Door. Yeah. Um, and I think the longer that it will continue to be used, that will be people's perception of people born with restricted growth. And I feel that's only a tiny piece of who we are and we're, we're so much more than our height, you know, but um, I suppose there's different opinions. Now, I do use the word dwarfism um, because I suppose it's, it's easier to explain to someone and it's the term that all our conditions are yeah. bracketed under. Yeah, does medicine still use it, Carol? 
Um, they would. They would, like if you had a child born with restricted growth. Um, they they might use the term dwarfism. They wouldn't personally use the word dwarf, but they would say she has dwarfism or he has dwarfism. Do you know? Um, now I've never come across it in the medical field myself, and um, they used to use the term for me. she's a little small for her age. You know, yeah. which is yeah, kind of more. It's polite, you know. It's it, and it's something that people yeah. understand. But you you, you have a form uh, called correct me if I get this wrong, pseudoachondroplasia, which means no one knew about your condition until you were, what, two, two and a half, three? Um, well, no. Um, in Ireland, per se, um, I only found out about my condition four or five years ago before I had the double hip replacement. I went researching because I was very anxious about it because I knew it would be a different procedure yeah. than the ordinary hip replacement. So I went Googling online, and my doctors always had me on a term called spondomethyl dysplasia, um, which is not really known in the world of restricted growth. So it was an American lady was listening to me, and she said from what I was telling her, um, her daughter had been considered to be pseudo, even though she is a different condition. Again, so it's very confusing, but if I was born now, um, I suppose, yes, it comes out between the ages of two and four. Um, and I suppose a lot of parents recognize it. And their babies, you know, babies are very um, flexible and, you know, they be crawling. And, but with us, we moan a little. We are very stiff. So that's one detector, you know, that yeah. one minute we can crawl and the next we can't move. So... Yeah. Um, that's to do with the osteoarthritis that a lot of us are born with. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But physically, when we're born, we're the same height as average height baby. I was nearly 10 pounds myself. Yeah. And I was a right little chubster um, up until I was the age of two. Um, my story was more complicated because I collapsed in my first appendix. Yeah. So um, the doctors were just examining me, but I suppose. And they are a lot more educated now because our bone structure, we have thick wrists, we have little hands, little feet. And so the features are becoming more distinct, you know. Um, But our facial features are different to that of achondroplasia. And we're built differently. Um, Achondroplasias are very solid. They're, They're... and solid people. And there's, there's loads of different of different kinds you could spend oh. the morning talking about. But in yeah. terms of living the life that you do, Carol, and, you know, have you come across cruelty? You know, do people make comments, say things that they shouldn't? Are they cruel? And yes, yes. And I remember my doctor even saying to my mother as a child, kids can be very malicious. Adults can be very malicious. So I remember being a child and I always wished I can't wait to turn 18 because this will stop. Within the little people community, the ignorance, the arrogance, the pointing, staring comments, it it never stops. And that's why we started doing Dwarfism Awareness Month to make people see that we are humans. You know, we have hearts, we have feelings and to hopefully educate see for this month a little bit into my life and the struggles that we do go through on a daily basis and hope that you know there's a heart in their body and would feel that so the next time you go to take a picture or point or comment or laugh you will think that's a real mm. human being there 
you know. Um, do you come across it, Carol, in, in regular things like, you know, going into a shop, going for a cup of coffee, going for a Chinese, just walking, you live up there on Grana Bar, or do you, walking yeah. up and down the road. Do you come across nastiness or, or you see, there's, there's, cur- there's the curiosity of children, yeah, which is yeah. normal, but there's nastiness, which isn't. There is, yeah. Like, it, you know, um, it, it's horrible. I have personally come across it. I've come across it all my life. And I sheltered away from it a lot of my life. Um, like you said to me, I was very comfortable in my own skin. It took me a lot mentally to get to that position in my life because, you know, I sheltered in. I wouldn't um, socialise with people, but you do. And there's a difference between curiosity. I love questions because I love being able to explain um, to people, you know, what's going on. And kids, kids, when they ask questions, that's normal and they love learning. But not every child and not every adult likes to learn. They like to put you down. Um, mm. And that's what I don't like. Um, people can be quite rude. Now, they are a million. For every one ignorant people you meet out there, you can meet 10 amazing people, you know. And mm. um, so I don't want to put everyone in the one bracket. But people can even, like, I could be in a queue for a coffee shop and they might not see me because counters are very high. And people would skip over you as if you didn't exist. Um, and that's kind of very embarrassing and it's frustrating as well. Like, you know, so um, I suppose we were born into a world that isn't built for us at all. So um, we come a lot across a lot of challenges. I myself, I'd even go into the shop, say the supermarket for a loaf of bread. And if I couldn't, reach it, I'd walk back out yeah. and be able to ask for help, you know, because it's the biggest yeah. purpose of my journey. Because we tend but, to put th- those things up. You were the one, I've, I've quoted this a couple of times on the programme over the last few weeks, you were the one who said to me, Carol, you know, PJ, you can live in a world built for me a lot yeah. easier than I can live in a world built for you. And that resonated with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I suppose, as I said to you, we were born into a world that wasn't built for us. Everything's up high, you know, and as as much as the world is progressing, I find that it's becoming harder as opposed to easier. And we preach a lot of things of access- accessibility for all, equality for all. So it's easier for you to just maybe bend down a little or not even at all. But it's super hard for me to have to climb, to reach locks and toilets mm. out in the public. Um, to even if you go into the self-service cash tools, we can't reach them to key in the groceries to scan. Um, so it's just stuff like that. Where And then for me personally, on top of it, imagine if your body is crippled in arthritis. It's hard enough to be able to climb on a regular basis as you're getting older. But to have to do that to reach stuff... Um, 24-7, it can be a nightmare. And I was very passionate about even the disabled parking in town because public transport is a difficulty for us. Um, I can't cycle a bike. Um, a lot of little people can, but I personally am not panicking, so um, I wouldn't put me on a bike to save your life, you know? So, mm. and there's a lot of challenges, and we, you know, I talk a lot about that, our car being our legs. Um, yeah. But it, it is so much easier, I suppose, for an average Type person, just imagine. I suppose everything has three feet, and you're not bending down because you have long arms, and you're not climbing up because you can't reach it. Yeah. You, you, know? s- you said like even a simple thing like in in a supermarket, like a new needle or a new super value, to have one yeah. counter 
that's only three feet high? Just one um, counter. Yeah, and to be honest now, I, in some of the supermarkets, they have no counters that are, you know, they're putting them up higher. I went into another store now and I won't mention the name, and all the castles were all changed and they were like higher and smaller. And I was like, what is happening in the world for these architects and engineers, you know, do I need to go on public TV and have for words with them, you know? So, so for the next couple of weeks and for the next month, Carol, if there's one thing you'd like us to learn about your world, what would it be? It is that no matter what, I cannot change my disability. Um, I can't make myself, I can't go into a doctor and say, I want to be six feet in the morning, you know? Mm. But everyone in this world can change their mindset and how they view people with restricted growth with any disability. So I would like people, instead of being fools or, you know, being the clown in the gang, trying to be funny, think before you speak. And maybe if you see a little person smile and say hello, and we're very friendly and we can talk for Ireland, or, you know, if you see any of them struggling, um, maybe offer help. What's the worst thing a person can say is no. Um, but you would have done a good deed by offering to help them in the first place. So all people that have done them things in my life have changed it immensely and made me a better person because I'm reaching out more because I'm not so shied away from people, you know? Right. So, yeah, that that would be an amazing lesson and that's what I'm trying to put out there okay. with Dwarfism Awareness. Month. When is your second book out or is it out, by the way? Um, it's not out yet, PJ. Um, I delayed it personally. Um, because, number one, I wanted a big launch party and we weren't allowed to have them. Um, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. And number two, um, I thought since the pandemic was kind of historic, it would be great to add a few chapters about uh, COVID. That, and that's, how that's, thinking like, that's thinking like a writer. Good on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. But I will keep you posted. You'll do, be the do, first do, do. Yeah. All right. Cheers, Carol, and take care. Thanks. Thanks, DJ. Cheers, that's Carol Rice. I uh, just wants to talk to her to mark Dwarfism Awareness Month. If you want to catch up with more detail, uh, we, we speak for it's about 22 minutes in the interview. My podcast on Spotify, on Spotify or Apple or indeed Google, wherever you get your podcasts. It's called 20 Minutes With, and Carol is my guest this week. My guest, actually, tomorrow is a fascinating man. I'll tell you about him later on. He's a guy who's been on the show regularly talking about the pandemic, but tomorrow we're not talking about the pandemic. I'll be talking uh, on tomorrow's podcast with one of the most interesting people I've ever had on the series. That's all I'll tell you for now. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96FM.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. You know what? Yesterday, it was a little bit cold when I got up yesterday morning and I threw a pair of jeans on me for the first time since Easter. And they're off in the wardrobe again today, back in the shorts. It's lovely and warm, even if it is the, what date is today? The 8th of October. We'll stick with this as long as we can. 
What the hell is happening above in Nancy Spain's? There's already a meme going around of a skeleton sitting at the bar counter, still waiting for his point. And for a fella who, in the prime of my life, shall I say, well, I'm still in the prime of my life, but in the prime of Nancy's life, I spent many a happy hour and many a happy night. I don't remember the end of half of them, but many the happy night up in Nancy Spain's. What's going on up there, Maureen? It is a very, very old body, so there's nothing too sinister. Hold on there. Hold 20 on. recruits, yeah. Absolutely, Peter. Yeah, very old. It's so old that it's actually been treated as an archaeological find. Right. So the Gardaí now have, have no more to, to do with it, per se. So they there was builders on site, so they're working there at the moment, San Barrick Street, so they're working there to make way for social housing units to go up there. And uh, when, when builders were, were working away, they came across the skeletal remains yesterday, so stopped work. They obviously alerted the emergency services, the Gardaí, um, and they were alerted there by the builders who'd found the remains so work was stopped the scene was preserved and then it came to the, the Cork City Coroner and Assistant State Pathologist Dr Margaret Bolster they went there for for a look now they were saying yesterday the bones were over 70 years old we're reckoning today they could be 100 years old or, or maybe more than that so as I say it's being dealt with as an archaeological find now um, an officer has told us yesterday in the newsroom that it's no longer a matter now for right. Gardaí so I suppose what's going to happen next is that they're going to determine if the bones, I suppose, are suitable for uh, to, to a process that could take months. So it's called uh, to date it. It's carbon, carbon dating. dating yeah. 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 So they're they're going to determine if they, if they can do that. I suppose see exactly where the bones came from, and then I guess look at I suppose you know historical missing persons cases from the area at the time and, and yeah. try and well, identify. I mean, nineteen. If you were going to back to nineteen twenty one, like the country would have been in turmoil, and there would have been a lot happening up around that part of the city. Not drinking at the counter. That's not what I mean at all. Like absolutely. No, you're right. So it could be really, it's going to be really interesting to see if they can try and identify or figure out exactly how old this skeletal okay. remains are and then we, we take it from there. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not aware if work has resumed this morning, if the bones have been taken away or not, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting It's and a I fascinating guess, story, yeah, Maureen. Sure. Thanks for that and if we get any more, we can we can come back to you on it. Uh, 1850-715-996 Just a quick chat there with Maureen Tuig 96 Films News Reporter. I must say one of the news broke yesterday I have to say, I thought, oh my God, they're pulling down Nancy's. I remember some of what used to go on up in Nancy's. Who the hell is that? I immediately thought of half a dozen people, characters from the old days of Nancy's that it might have been. I thought of a few fellas that would have been bad, that it could have been. Oh my God, it was and actually, my good pal Roy Buckley, who does a lot of his recording work uh, up around the corner <clears throat> at a fabulous little recording studio called Kitten Lane, which is up only up around the corner from where Nancy's used to be, tells me they've also found in Nancy's bits of the old walls of the city, uh, buried deep under the floor, were bits of the old walls. These would be a bit like the walls that is inside in Bishop Lucy Park or in the old Grand Parade Hotel which probably younger listeners won't remember but in the old Grand Parade Hotel there was a whole section of the city wall and they made an attraction out of it inside in the reception inside in the lobby but there's more of those walls have been found under Nancy Spain's and I was reading as well some place they've pulled down in North Main Street they've come up with a bit of the old city walls as well when they were digging it out. Fascinating times. 1850 715 996. Now, 
Uh, one new female member has joined uh, the Cork Fire Brigade in the last 12 months. They ran a recruitment campaign It's last year. It was their first major recruitment drive in almost 10 years. And they got 20 recruits, of which 19 were men and one woman. They selected a group and they're now going through their training. And among the group is the one female firefighter. Um, I'm joined uh, by by Ger Ryan. Ger, good morning. Oh, Hi, sorry, I've got Sinead. Sorry, Sinead. Sinead, yeah. I've got two names yeah. on my screen. <laughs> sorry, Sinead. You you are you are are the the female fire, firefighter in training. Congratulations on getting this far. Why did you uh, Why did you recruit? Um, look look to sign up. Um, I guess it's always something I want to do. You know, from a young age, um, and they don't open recruits. Uh, meant quite often so um, I went to college and then I was just lucky that once I finished college they opened and yeah I guess the the life of a a firefighter attracted me you know no two days are the same so Mm. that's what's kind of appealing to me about it. Is there firefighting in the family Sinead? Um, No there's not Um, again it's just something that kind of appealed to me there was no one I knew who was in the the industry before Mm. Um, yeah it was because lot, an awful lot of firefighters, it's something that a father does and a son does and a grandfather does and an uncle does. So there's no, nothing of that on your side. So what was the attraction? Um, yeah, like I said, just kind of having no two days the same, um, an ever-changing kind of work environment, but then also getting to help members of the community um, in a kind of proactive way. Um, I worked as a beach lifeguard for a while, so I kind of got... A bit of an insight into, you know, first aid and um, helping um, members of the community that way, which kind of triggered my interest in a career that would allow me to do that as well. Right, right. Is the training tough? Um, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's it's pretty intense. But, um, you know, the great thing here is that we're always working as part of a team. So all team members are always helping each other and, yeah, kind of getting each other through the drills that we're doing and everything yeah. like that. And I guess that's really important too because, you know, when you go out there and as I said before many times, Sinead, firefighters are the people who run in when the rest of us are running out. You you need to have a good team ethic around you, don't you? And that, that's, that's something you've been learning from day one, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. And I think they're emphasising that here, you know, that we're working as part of a team Um throughout all our drills no one is working as an individual you know if someone is struggling because of course everyone has their strengths and weaknesses so if one person has a strength they'll help someone weak in that area and vice versa um so yeah they've kind of been hitting that since day one and we're broken into little teams where you're getting to know your other team members very well so it's been good that way how long is the training um we're doing 10 weeks um of in-house training and then we get put on probation for 12 months so right. that's where we will be put on shift but for right. as you, a probation. Have you been to an actual fire yet? No we haven't we've put out uh, control fires using fire extinguishers which you know are the the first point of you know defense with anyone for a fire but yeah. um, so far that's that's the only action we've seen. <laughs> you know Sinead when when the call eventually comes um, and you're there and right Sinead you're up Will you be Will you be a bit nervous about that, or are you are you excited for it? Um, a bit of both. You know, I think not to have nerves would be, um, I guess, a bit naive. But 
by then I hope that you know the training we've done you'll feel prepared and like I said you know you're always you always have your teammates with you and your, your crew members so you can rely on them and they can rely on you and that's kind of the main thing mm-hmm. there's only just one other uh, female firefighter I think with with, with the whole brigade um, have you have, have you been talking much about about the job has she, has she been of particular assistance to you in training um, she's one of our instructors on the course. Um, so she's given me a, a few tips on how to, you know, wear my hair under the helmet and, and things like that. Which um, is the things those which, fellas wouldn't think about. Uh, exactly, yeah. But, um, you know, uh, what I think the main thing is is to, to treat me like the, the same as, yeah. as all the other recruits because, you know, we all pass the same tests to get in. And yeah. that's the main thing is, is just... You know, I don't want any special treatment um, from anyone, and I'm here to prove that I can do it as well. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Nor, nor should you get special treatment from 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 anybody because you'll be the one out exactly. there, exactly, running in when the rest of us have to run out. And uh, congratulations on getting this far, and and good Thank luck with, with the with the rest of the training. And indeed, when you go out there for your first real fire, good luck with that. Thank you. Cheers. Sinead. Sinead O'Reilly. She's uh, the only female recruit of 20 currently training the next phase, if you want, of the Cork City Fire Brigade. 1850-715-996. On Nancy Spain's what's happening with the construction work now? I don't know. They, they stopped yesterday, obviously, and they had to call the guards and the coroners, or as Maureen was saying, guards and the coroner and the whole place was sealed off and all of that and everyone was speculating how it was. now they know look it's a historic set of bones presumably they've been taken out of the place now construction is on hold though pending uh, pen, pending pending site clearance yeah, the site has to be cleared and examined and all that but the construction is now on hold can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie In my house, all I'm hearing is berries and cream, berries and cream. I'm a little lad who loves berries and cream. Uh, I've researched into this. Okay. It comes from a 2007 ad for Starburst. It's gone bananas on TikTok. My kids are like every single minute of the day, they're shouting this from a room. Berries and cream. We need a cork TikTok trend. Yeah. We're going to be TikTok famous, Ross. Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC cars, Blackpool for Skoda in the city. A long-standing tradition in Cork. Open 24-7 at milldc.com. Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96 FM. Actually, as the lads are looking around Nancy's and examining the site just to make sure everything's okay before construction can hit, would you ever have a look... There'd be an old, uh, back. I was at a Dignam and Goff gig there years ago. I left a denim jacket after me. I was down the back in the corner and I used to love that jacket. And of course, woke up the following morning, no jacket. And there was about 40 quid in the pocket of it. So you can keep the money. I'd like the jacket back if you happen to find it. 1850 This is a first for Cork. The Ballancolig Trailblazers. It is a team of rugby players 
uh, women rugby players of mixed ability. Kira, good morning to you. How are you? This now you, you meet when when do you meet and what's this all about? Uh, yeah, so I'm here with Marie Healy, uh, a teammate of mine. Um, we are the Banning College Trailblazers. It's basically a team made up of women of all abilities. Um, and whether you have a disability or not, uh, it's open to everyone. So if you're 18 and over and you're a woman who would like to play rugby, uh, we are the team for you. Yes, and you meet at Tanner Park, which is, that's the rugby that's- club, isn't it? It is, yeah. In Banning College, uh, Thursday evenings we train seven to half eight. Very good. Whose idea was this? Uh, well, I work in the disability services, um, and when I started a new job, uh, my manager he was he set up the Alan Crawford, he set up the male uh, mixability team, the Sunday Well Rebels. And I was speaking to him, and I was saying, "Oh, that's a great idea. You know, it's brilliant for inclusion and getting people involved." And I was looking for to join myself. And he said, there's actually no women's team. So I went about it and got in contact with Banning College Rugby Club. And the rest then is history. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> how it set up, yeah. now, I know you've got your friend with you, Marie. Yeah. Hello, how are you? Hi, Marie. How are you doing? How did you get, in, how did you get involved with the Trailblazers? So I got involved um, through, through Kira in October of 2019. I attend, I attend a centre inside in Cox City. It's a part of co-foundation. Yeah. And she asked me one of the days, did I want to join uh, Mixed Ability Rugby? And, of course, my answer straight away was yes. Yeah. yeah. Lots of women playing rugby these days, and sometimes they're more exciting to watch than the men. Oh, that's definitely for sure, yes. <laughs> so, so it is. what do you enjoy about it? I love getting in the tackles. Oh, really? I do. I love the tackles. Yeah. What, what position do you What position do you play? I'm the hooker. Ah, right. Yeah, she gets me back every Thursday <laughs> evening for all the work I give her during the week. She's <laughs> able to throw in a few tackles. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It is. It's yeah. great fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And is that is membership full now, or are you always looking for new members, Kira? No, we're always looking for new members. Yeah, more the merrier. Um, you know, even if you've never played rugby, like I've never played rugby, Marie didn't. Um, it's a great way just to have a bit of crack, really, you know, and be involved in your community and um, your fitness levels. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so we'd recommend anyone, even just to come along and give it a go and see how they get on. Great. Marie, you're glad it's you got involved. It's open for everybody. Good, good. And if anybody wants to get involved, you can email mixedability at balancolleagrfc.ie. That's right, yes. yeah. Or also there's the Facebook page. You can get in contact that way as well. Okay. Um, but we, we are training for a World Cup next year. Oh, tell me uh, more about that. Yeah, we're, we're training hard for it now. Um, it's on in June of 2022, the 5th to the 12th of the 10th of June. Right. And where will that be played, Marie? That will be played up on Sunday as well. A World in Cup? Park. In the World Cup, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. You're all looking forward. And you've never played rugby before, and yet you're going to be playing in a, in a, in a World Cup next June. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you something, that's, that's some level of progress, girls. It is, yes. It's very good. <laughs> That's fantastic. Kira, thank you. And Marie, thank you. Both members of the Bellancolic Trailblazers, women's mixed ability rugby team, playing in a World Cup next June in Sunday as well. I'll have you know. If you would like to be part of that, 
and get interested in sport for all and more inclusion, you can contact them, Mixed Ability, all one word, small letters, Mixed Ability, at ballancolleagrfc.ie or look them up on Facebook, the Ballancolleag Trailblazers, 1857-15996. Just a few things worthy of mention here. Uh, a big shout, if we could, to all the lads at the Clothes Horse Laundress in Carrick Tool and Castle Martyr. Local business opening their second shop soon. They were so kind and so caring to the two communities during lockdown. Their new shop is in Castle Martyr, opens in two weeks' time. They provide a fantastic range of credit, or services rather, and deserve to get some credit for it. Fabulous range of services and deserve to get credit for it. Thanks a million for that. And good luck to everybody involved there. Now, speaking to Carol Rice about Dwarfism Awareness Month, as an older adult, and I'm only four foot ten, I also have issues when shopping, with shelves and shoes and clothing, etc. The world is built for so-called normals. I'm only four foot ten. Find some of the fridges in the shops really hard to to reach. That's a WhatsApp message, and I, I'm, I've quoted this line a couple of times, and I was just saying it today. Today, it's it's Carol was the person who said that to me a couple of weeks ago. She said, look, PJ, she said, you can live in a world that's built for me. It's not so easy for me to live in a world that's built for you. And I just thought that's a very nice way for our planners and our engineers and our developers and people who decide what they're going to build, where they're going to build it and how they're going to build it, what they're going to build it of. Think of people like Carol and think of other people with other forms of disability, you know, our world, a world built for them, a world built for a little person. It's, we, can, we can get on grand in a world built for a little person. It's not so easy for them to get on in ours. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's Entertainment. An exciting all-female bill of Mary Coughlin, Wallace Bird, Loa and Eve Regan open the first night of the Right Here, Right Now Festival on Friday, November 12th. They'll be accompanied by the Cork Opera House Concert Orchestra and tickets are on sale now from the venue. Access all areas. A collective of outstanding musicians interpreting the music of one of the greatest songwriters of our time, Leonard Cohen. Bird on a Wire consists of Pauline Scanlon and the Whileaways. They'll celebrate many of Cohen's best-loved works as part of the Guinness Cork Jazz Festival and it takes place on Wednesday, October 27th at Cork Opera House. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. I was following the story in the last couple of days of Callum Robinson, this footballer, Irish international footballer, who effectively has said he's not vaccinated. He's not getting vaccinated against COVID-19. He's had COVID twice. Someone said that's more than he scored for Ireland. But anyway, he is not vaccinated. He's not getting vaccinated. He's spoken out about it. My choice, my body, all that kind of stuff. And in the context of that, I saw a tweet yesterday which read, as we start bringing more and more patients in for face-to-face consultations, and as we check COVID vaccination status... There are worrying numbers of adults, especially the 20 to 40-year-old age group, who are opting not to get vaccinated as, quote, there isn't enough research, unquote. Social media effect, question mark, and tagging in the HSE. That came from Dr. Ronan Boland, who's a GP here in Cork and a former president of the Irish Medical Organization. Morning, Ronan. Good morning, PJ. You're seeing an amount of this, and, and it, it's worrying. Yeah, it, it's very worrying. Um, the, I mean, I think the only reason that, we're, that we've been able to return um, to somewhere close to normality in terms of functioning as a society and people getting back to work and back to school and, you know, back to doing the things that they enjoy doing is because of vaccination. Uh, I have absolutely no doubt that if it weren't for vaccination, that uh, especially with, with uh, the Delta uh, variant of the virus, which was highly infectious, uh, you know, which was a real game changer in terms of where we were going to be otherwise, uh, that we'd, as I say, that we'd, be, that we'd be in great difficulty at the moment. And thankfully, um, uh, we, we've done better than most other countries in the developed world in terms of vaccination uptake. Uh, I think we're, we're over 90% of adults over 18 at this stage. But as I say, uh, we are in a, a new paradigm where we're starting to, we're trying to return to a normal way of, of, of practicing medicine. Uh, practicing over the telephone uh, is unsatisfactory from a doctor's point of view and from a patient's point of view. And we're trying to bring more and more people in. But we have to inquire um, both from the point of view of the patient's own welfare that we're not 
putting them at risk, but also from the point of view of uh, we've lots of elderly and vulnerable uh, patients that, that we're not putting our elderly and vulnerable patients at risk by bringing unvaccinated people in uh, uh, into the uh, surgery without taking due precautions. Of course, we continue to treat people uh, whether they're vaccinated or not. That's our responsibility and our mm-hmm. duty. Uh, but 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 we have a responsibility to keep everybody safe, including other patients, ourselves, and especially our staff. Yeah. Now there are, and you'll know this as a doctor, there are a small cohort of people who medically are unable to be vaccinated. But, but outside of those. And that's a quite a small cohort. But outside of those, well, I, well, I, well, I'm not even sure that there is a cohort who are not able to be vaccinated. Because mm. if there's any such cohort, I'm not, I'm not aware who they are. Well, uh, the okay. vaccine is the. I, I've just yeah, heard it said by a number of people, you know, in in the discussion of of vaccine hesitancy, and they, some of them would be sci- coming from a scientific background. So just and and we all know that there are some children, for example, who would be unvaccinated because they might be able to be vaccinated. Maybe, maybe, maybe things have changed. I don't know. But let's just assume. That, what kind of hesitancy reasons? I mean, do you query it with your patients, Ronan, why they haven't been vaccinated? Okay, well, I, I think I do need to address the, the, the comment that you made in relation to the reasons why people shouldn't get vaccinated. Sure. The only reason, the only reason that I'm aware of that people shouldn't get a COVID vaccine, uh, if it's a reason, a, a specific COVID vaccine, is, is if they've had a very definite reaction to a previous dose of that vaccine. Now, okay. there are two or three other vaccines there. Uh, and and you, you did mention the scientists and, and healthcare professionals and so on. And I, and I would have to be the first to point out uh, that there have been uh, scientists and indeed members of my own profession who have done society no favours by uh, by being active in, on Facebook and Twitter and other profile, um, uh, platforms, undermining confidence in the vaccine programme. And unfortunately, there are actors uh, out there who are... Uh, uh, deliberately spreading misinformation ab- uh, about the safety of okay. vaccines, and there have been mem- there have been members of my own profession, a very small number, sure. uh, who who have played into their hands by uh, uh, by sure. by uh, by you know uh, spreading mistrust and so on. So, 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 so for my are, and, and for my so for my education for my own education and the education yeah. of my listeners, Ronan, which is what we mm-hmm. we tried to do on the opinion line since the very start. You know, as a practicing medical doctor, you know of no cohort of people who should not be given a, a COVID vaccination or are not able to receive one? No. Well, well OK, there, there, there are one or two specific areas. If you take pregnancy, it's not recommended at the moment after 36 weeks of pregnancy. For for a little while, it was recommended that it wouldn't be given prior to 14 weeks, but that limitation now, is yeah. now gone. Yeah. Uh, it's It's gone. So it's recommended that as early as possible in pregnancy and uh, there's no association between vaccination and miscarriage. Uh, that's been yeah. clearly established in, in, oh, yeah. uh, in the States we and world, elsewhere. We had a world expert so, on that on the show a few weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so okay. There, 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 if somebody has a very severe reaction to uh, to uh, a, a, a dose of the COVID vaccine, that it's thought maybe due to the vaccine, then there may be a specific issue. Do you give them a second dose of that vaccine? Do sure. you use a different vaccine? But uh, in my own practice, and we have we, you know, we have th- uh, uh, thousands of patients attending my own practice. I'm not aware of a single patient who's had a significant a significant yeah. reaction to the vaccine. Of course, people get sick for all sorts of reasons in the week or two or three after a vaccination and it's only human nature that people uh, add two and two together sometimes and make five and say well it was obviously the vaccine that caused it whereas in fact the vaccine may have had nothing uh, whatsoever to do with it so these vaccines are extremely safe and they are extremely effective and uh, you know it's 
And my worry is that what we're seeing is we're seeing this age cohort of 20 to 40 who are yeah. saying uh, there isn't enough research there. And I mean, you know, you, you probe gently and you say, well, what research are you, I mean, what, what, you know, what, what, you know, where are you? Uh, are, where are you getting this understanding that there isn't enough research there? And usually, the, you know, people are, you know, they're, they're quite vague. Um, you know, they're they're not willing to come forward and say, well, I, my source is X, Y, or Z. But I've also had, even in the last week or two, I've had uh, older adults tearing their hair up because their younger adult offspring uh, have gone down the Facebook rabbit hole, and mm. uh, you know, they're worried about they're worried about their 18, 20, 25 year old. Uh, sons and daughters, some of whom are young mothers, may have underlying conditions themselves, and they're not able to convince their their own adult family members that the vaccine is safe. Um, mm. So it's a worry, and uh, and we don't have any grounds for complacency, PJ. I mean, the, yeah. uh, what is clear is that with the mRNA vaccination, uh, vaccination uh, that immunity does wane over time. We're already just getting into uh, back into our uh, our gear to start uh, vaccinating our over 80s who, who will already now be getting booster doses in the yeah. next couple of weeks, yeah. as well as the highly medically vulnerable. And it's more than likely that you and I and all the rest of us are going to need boosters as vaccine is available and as the guidelines change over the next number of weeks. Yeah. So, uh, so, so did, did, uh, did I read somewhere in the last couple of days, I think I did, that NIAC have now said that pretty much everyone can get a booster at this point. It's just a question of when. Yeah, well, my expectation, and I read the tea leaves quite carefully on this, is 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 that the, uh, you know, it's the over 80s and what we would call the category three and five, so the highly medically vulnerable, most of whom are identified by the hospital, are already being offered vaccine. But it's you're right about NIAC, and generally what NIAC recommends uh, becomes policy within a matter of weeks thereafter, and that's subject, of course, to vaccine availability. Uh, but Israel, you know, ha- has already vaccinated all of their over 60s, and what they have, sh- or sorry, they've given boosters to all of their over 60s or offered it to them at least yeah. and they've already produced very conclusive data that that a booster dose uh, is conferring significant uh, additional immunity and I, I I think it's only a matter of time uh, this is my personal view but I, I'd be sure. very surprised if I'm wrong sure. that, that, that we'll all be getting boosters quite soon Coming back to the, the, the 20 to 40 year olds and the ones who are like you said asking questions about not enough research and running down a social media rabbit hole which does nobody any favours ever when a guy like Callum Robinson, who would be a role model for young people, goes and says, I'm not vaccinated, I'm not getting vaccinated. Is he sending out the wrong message? Yeah, he is. And I saw the interview, uh, same as lots of people. And I have to say, as a, as a practicing doctor, uh, I was infuriated watching it. Um, uh, the, you know, all healthcare professionals have gone over and above trying to keep people safe over the last year and a half. And he is a role model. He puts on an Irish jersey and he's, he, uh, he's basically saying, you know, I'm all right, Jack. He doesn't seem to see that he's got any responsibility to the wider society. Because remember that vaccination, is, and you know this as well as I do, PJ, the vaccination vaccination is not just about keeping uh, you safe it's mm. about keeping your loved one safe it's about keeping everyone around you safe so so we're only only going to get out of covid for once and for all um uh, and we're only now there, thankfully there are no new variants that I'm aware of that are on the currently in the horizon but that may change yes. uh, and uh, uh, we're only as you know together we stand and divided we fall 
Uh, and the more unvaccinated people that are out there, uh, uh, the, the greater the possibility is that new variants get to flourish. Mm. Uh, and for uh, and for somebody who's in the privileged position of putting on an Irish jersey, uh, to basically, uh, you, you know, uh, you know, s- say to young people who are watching uh, that, that, you know, it's okay not to get vaccinated. I'm quite entitled to, and he, and he is entitled to to not get vaccinated if he so chooses. But I think he should. He would, uh, you know, he'd serve society better by, you know, by keeping his views, you know, mm. to himself. One of the arguments that were made by those in support of him was that well, he's had COVID twice, so he has acquired immunity anyway. Does that cut any ice with you, Doctor? Not really. I mean, uh, what's clear is that uh, you you do gain uh, uh, some significant immunity from COVID. The evidence, uh, as clearly as I understand it at the moment, is that the the uh, sustained immunity uh, conferred to you by being infected with COVID is inferior to the immunity that you get from being vaccinated. Uh, uh, I've already seen in my own extended family, in my own patients, uh, in my friends, uh, many people at the stage who've got breakthrough infections having been fully vaccinated yes. as soon as vaccine uh, was made available. And that tends to be grist to the mill, as it were, of the anti-vaxxers. Oh, you can still get it. But address that point briefly. There are okay, those well, who go and gloat about yeah. a breakthrough infection. Yeah, of course it will. So basically, nobody is saying that vaccines are 100% effective at preventing infection. No vaccination ever was. Any vaccination that we ever got, childhood vaccines, uh, what we know quite clearly is that this is amongst the most effective vaccines that have ever been designed, much more effective than most of the childhood vaccines. We've seen that with with, with measles, uh, um, particularly mumps outbreaks in recent years. These are highly effective vaccines, but they're not 100% effective. They, you will still get breakthrough infections. But what we do know very clearly and what I've seen firsthand is that the infections that people get, uh, and I'm speaking from the perspective of having lost patients to COVID mm. and having patients who are still very sick with COVID coming back to us, and we have very little to offer them. There are people who have chronic breathing difficulties and chronic fatigue, and we currently don't have any active treatments or very many active treatments to help those patients. So we're still treating them in my own practice and my hospital specialist colleagues are treating them a lot more, people who have chronic respiratory difficulties, fatigue, etc., related to previous COVID. What we are seeing clearly already is that people who get breakthrough infections are tending to get much, much less severe uh, mm-hmm. illnesses. They're not tending to end up in hospital, tending to end up in hospital and they're not tending to end up in ICU. Just because the occasional breakthrough infection ends up in hospital or, uh, God forbid, ends up in an ICU, it doesn't in any way diminish uh, the efficacy or the value of the vaccines or undermine the argument for getting vaccinated. All right, listen, thank you for that and for being with us on the Opinion Line. Dr. Ronan Boland, Cork GP and former president of the Irish Medical Organisation. Thanks, Ronan. 1850-715-996. I know I, I was off yesterday, so all the Callum Robinson discussion was kind of Wednesday and, and yesterday. What did you think? Uh, very strong words there from Dr. Boland. He is a role model for young people and keep his mouth shut is what he should have done. It's his choice entirely whether he wants to get vaccinated or not. But it's keep your mouth shut, as they say. 1850-715-996. As regards your own particular views, if you have worries or concerns, talk to your doctor. 
Do not get your information off of Facebook. Do not get your information off of Twitter. Do not get your information off of leaflets that you pick up on the ground, like I did this morning when I came into work. Get your information. Talk to your... If you have concerns, talk to your GP. So I talked so many times over the last year and a half, nearly 20 months now, to people who had a business at the start of it. And then the pandemic just kicked their business into next week. And many of them have just pivoted. That was the word they became into vogue or reinvigorated or reinvented their business. I believe I did speak to Orla McAndrew at the very start of it all. Hi, Orla. Hi, PJ. Good morning. How are you? We did chat at the very start and things were falling apart all around you. But you have rebuilt it and and redesigned it for for post-pandemic and it's going well for you under Orla Orla McAndrew Catering. It is. Do you know what? I I barely missed a beat, to be honest, PJ. (laughs) I was very lucky. Good for you. Good for you. And you got into all different lockdown projects and deliveries and and all of that. And congratulations, because things are, like you say, going from strength to strength. As we head into the autumn and winter, um, what are the things that people will be ordering now for their their, their trays and their, their homes and their parties? Yeah, so this time of the year in Ireland, we have such an abundance of delicious food grown locally. Um, And you know yourself, like I'm not too inclined to eat too many salads at the moment. So it's all about kind of nice winter warming stews and casseroles and curries and Mm. things that can be things that can be cooked, uh, batch cooked and frozen so that your future self gets a night off. Do you know that kind of thing? (laughs) So uh, I'm I'm all all about batch cooking and filling your freezer up with really good things like you know we're all busy these days so we don't have time to be cooking from scratch all the time so mm. good, good I think hearty I, winter food absolutely and like October actually is is one of the best months for produce in Ireland we have so much fruit and vegetables that are just coming into their own now so we've loads to choose from what kind of things should we be batching and freezing um well you know now October and Halloween where we've pumpkins everywhere and butternut squash everywhere. So I love um, even like veg- you can make lovely vegetarian meals with kind of cream sauces and freeze them down. I've got a gorgeous one actually with the cider cream sauce and a puff pastry, loads of um, autumnal veg in there, and it's just absolutely gorgeous. And the whole family loves that one. It's really nice. Do you also have a butternut squash in soup. In a soup, yeah, mm. beautiful. I always kind of put a little bit of kind of curry spice with that as well, just to make it that little bit extra warming as well. Yeah, because like you said, this the salads are kind of gone with the board now onto springtime again. No matter how lovely they are, they're, they're not something you eat in the winter. I uh, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. I I have a green tower, a grow tower, so I grow all my own salad leaves all the time. And I think for this time of the year, I just like to like warm up my pears and have some nice. I I tend to eat kind of warm salads this right, time of the year. Right. right. So, okay. yeah, there's always room for lettuce. Always. Come <laughs> Orla. <laughs> How did we discover charcuterie during lockdown? I mean, just far from charcuterie, we were weird. <laughs> I don't know about you, PJ. I. 
<laughs> I was eating charcuterie a long time. <laughs> but do you know do you know what it was? I think we all wanted a little bit of a treat yeah. and we were all we were all indoors and I, I was one of the first people and one of the people who started kind of offering that round to people as a way of treating ourselves while we had no other option. Yeah. So it really seemed to explode in the last twenty years or twenty months rather. Yeah. Um and we're, and we're very good at it in Cork and plenty of good produce to put into them. We have unreal food producers here in Cork from, from Gubbin to Hagerty's Cheese to Borua who, who are in Fermoy. Um, Gubbin doing the fabulous chorizo as well. Like, And they're on the pig's back in uh, the English market. You can get all that produce. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, it's fabulous. Oh yeah, and uh, I, I've I've missed proper chorizo from Spain so badly over the last couple of years. Got some in the English market. You might as well be there. All that's missing is the is the beach, and the sun. <laughs> and, well, we got some of that, but it's not the same. Listen, Orla, thanks for that. Uh, Orla McAndrew, catering charcuterie. Like it's far from charcuterie. We were reared, lads, isn't it? <laughs> Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. We were talking earlier on this morning about the Cork accent and kind of got uh, uh, sidetracked off it onto other things before I got a chance to read Robert's message, which is a good one. Uh, he says that they rename all kinds of things in Ireland to something appropriate to patriots, etc, etc. Like renaming a property associated with the British. The most obvious one is completely ignored. The doll sits normally in Leinster House. So-called because it was at one stage owned by the Duke of Leinster. Should we not call it Ireland House or Hibernia House or something like that? In yeah. the late 18th century, Leinster House was the Earl's official Dublin residence. At that point, it was called Kildare House, hence Kildare Street. Yeah. There's a long history of residences of that kind here. Go back to yesterday, we were talking to Zoe. Fiona had a good conversation. I heard some, but with Zoe. Zoe had been stopped at traffic lights earlier in the week, and a gang of teenagers sprayed ketchup onto her car. And then one of them kicked into it, causing a huge big dent in the car. Zoe was upset and talking to Fiona yesterday. And I think she's a bit frightened to go out now in the car. Uh, people were very, very annoyed to hear that that's going on. It's just, it's a huge problem and it's going on all over the place. Carla says this behaviour simply cannot be tolerated anymore. It's not fair. Something needs to be done to stop it. Uh, I'm inclined to think myself if I saw someone coming at my car uh, like that aiming to do me harm I'd just keep going I'd just keep going and if I went over a foot or, or, or a leg and you intended to do me harm then I think I think I would and also um, Fiona was talking to Sarah 
who's living with her parents and she has a, is it a 16 month old just in relation to that apparently they don't like to give places to babies and toddlers a friend of mine had trouble getting somewhere with her baby she was told that babies and toddlers are hard wearing on the property not sure that's true in work so couldn't come on and wasn't it Anne we were talking to last week she's living on her own with her little three year old and in a hotel at the moment now she's got something someone came forward with a place for her and she's moving in in a few weeks time but not everything has a great happy ending like that but thanks thanks for those comments 1850 prestigious awards ceremony today in Waterford, and that is the Network Ireland Business Awards. Of course, during the summer, we were talking about the recipients of the Network Cork Businesswoman of the War, of, of the Year Awards. The overall winner was, of course, Dr. Tara Shine, who's been a guest on the show many times with me from a Change by Degrees. Other winners worth noting, Elena Canty, who was only talking to me last week, and my good pal Fiona Kennedy, a musician one under the creative professionals category. They all go forward to the national finals and the national awards given out today in Waterford. Barbara Nugent is president of Cork of Network Cork Ireland for 2021. Exciting day, Barbara. Good morning. Good morning and how are you? Good. Big excitement. Very exciting here. Yes, big excitement. So I was up at four o'clock this morning, drove to Waterford and I'm here in the Theatre Royal at the Network Ireland Businesswoman of the Year Awards. And is there a crowd at it or is it all online? No, so it's both. It's a hybrid event. So there's a small group of us here, um, the finalists and some of the presidents. And then, you know, everybody else is able to dial in. So it's a true hybrid uh, event today. Okay. Now, our Irish winner, or our, sorry, our, our Cork winners, very strong names in there, very strong. So how many national awards are there? So at the moment, there are um, eight categories and we in Cork have a representative for Cork in every category. So that wouldn't be um, necessarily the same for every branch. Um, and yes, you're right. Very, very strong um, uh, contenders and the competition, of course, is across all of Ireland. So um, it's a tough it's a tough one. And I certainly wouldn't like to be judging any of it. Mm-hmm. Of course, these are very prestigious awards, aren't they? They are really. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, as I, I had spoken to you before about the Cork Awards, you know, they're judged externally. So at, at this level, when when you move from Cork up to the national, um, they're ju- you know, the judges are from Enterprise Ireland, they're from AIB. And, uh, you know, so they're very... Um, they're very difficult. Each of the contenders goes to uh, an interview and they really need to know their stuff. They need to know their numbers. They need to know what, you know, have a plan. Um, so it's 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 fairly strenuous interview and, and uh, not, not easy to get this far, but certainly very mm. difficult to get further. I had a, a good conversation with uh, Dr. Terry Shine actually on International yes. Women's Day here on the Opinion Line. And she was talking about, you know, what if you can't see it, you can't be it. And, and, and that general principle and but how difficult it can be for a woman to get into a particular line of business because there aren't any other women in it. This morning I was just talking to our first female fire brigade recruit here in, in a number of years. Is it difficult for women to break into business, Barbara, or is it getting easier? 
Um, I'd like to think it's getting easier because, you know, um, organisations like Network and and indeed Local Enterprise Office and Enterprise Ireland are putting a lot behind it to help women to to set up business and to stay in business. And of course, that has been the challenge over the last uh, year and a half is to stay in business. Um, but yes, it can be difficult. And I think that's the importance of having networks like Network Ireland and Network Cork to actually give that support. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's knowledge, you know, sharing how do you do this? You know, how can you do your social media or set up your website? But sometimes it's someone to pick up the phone and say, you're doing a great job, keep going. Or, you know, what can I do for you? How can I help you? So it's, it's both the, the, the knowledge support and the personal uh, encouragement and support as well. And I think, you know, the more we see do it, you're absolutely right. The role models, the more we have, the more women will have setting up their own businesses and, and even following people in their own careers. Now, have the last 18 to 20 months been, been helpful or unhelpful? And I asked ask that question with this particular caveat in mind. One observation I've made is that we, we heard a lot about pivoting and, and reinventing, <laughs> you know, and, and repurposing of business. An awful lot of women have done that. Women seem to have thrived in it, if you ask me. <laughs> um, some have, absolutely some have. Um, and, you know, I suppose the virtual world, some businesses were quite easily transferable into the virtual world and some people took their businesses and changed them completely. Um, so I, I think women are quite good at flexing and changing and adapting um, and they certainly seem to be. Um, but, it, you know, I suppose in other cases then you have had people whose businesses, I'm thinking, say, of the wedding business, for example, that just really shut down over, over the period of time and is now starting to get back on its feet or even hotels and, and so on. So I suppose some have been impacted, but a lot of people have done incredible jobs and have seen opportunities, you know, that we, we may not have seen before that have turned their knowledge into online courses, for example. Um, you know, so have done things and, and, and really expanded their their ability to do business. And a lot of them, I think, for women is having a business that's flexible, that's flexible around their, their families or that allows them to, you know, I don't know, drop their kids to school, for example. So I think that, you know, the virtual world and COVID has certainly given us some gifts um, and some not so much gifts as well. Yeah. Um, and I think the big challenge now is to take the gifts and bring them forward okay. and not just go back but to keep going forward. Okay. All right. Listen, good luck to everybody. Um, network Business Network Ireland Business Awards being given out today in Waterford. Thank you, Barbara Nugent, President of Network Cork Ireland for 2021. And good luck to Tara Shine, to Miriam Burke, Michelle Deneen, Ingrid Syme, Carol Brick, Elena Canty, Constantina Stephanie Du. And Fiona Kennedy, who are, are Cork, they're already winners locally. They're, and then going forward today for the National Awards in Waterford, 1850-715996. Just listening to that conversation there in the news, or that piece about James O'Connor, the East Cork TD. Remember we mentioned the other morning the story had broken that he threatened to quit Fianna Fáil if he didn't get what he wanted under the National Development Plan. And I kind of rolled my eyes at the time um, and I made a little quiet prediction I said that won't happen because he'll be sat down by the cop on committee and they'll chat with him
and they'll talk to him about what he's, what's wrong with him and what ails him and what bothers him. Uh, the cop-on committee, people don't know about this, but there is a cop-on committee in politics. So when someone speaks out to turn, the cop-on committee has a meeting and he'd have been told, no, you're a young lad now and you're new to this game and there's a lot of a long road there ahead now. And you, you stay where you are now and you'll be goodbye. And, and do you know what'll happen now? We'll, 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 we'll put them back into the plan now. And you stay where you are and we'll stay where we are. And cop ourselves on now. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Now, Mental Health Week uh, kicked off yesterday and we'll be focusing on it over the next uh, few days in quite some detail. And if you have a particular angle that you'd like us to take or something you'd like us to explore with regard to uh, mental health, then do let us know at 083 396 or pop us an email whenever you want to opinion at 96fm.ie. But we'll be looking at various elements of mental health over the next week or so. It's something we've done more and more of on the programme, particularly during the, the pandemic, because there was so much talk about it. And people were concerned, well, fine, what effect is this lockdown having on mental health? What is the effect of the isolation having on mental health? I think we're talking more about it now in the last 18 to 20 months than we ever talked about it before. So in, in a strange way, you, you could argue that lockdown and pandemic and all the things associated with it has started a conversation or maybe accelerated a conversation. Sarah Cooney is the as an adult life coach from the Mary Me Centre. And put that question to you, Sarah. Do you think we're talking more about it now because of the effects of the pandemic? Good morning. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Um, I do. I think the the conversation has really grown now. I think over the last 10 years, we've started to really acknowledge the fact that our mental health is just as important as our physical health. And I think we have really seen the impact of that throughout the pandemic. And I think, I suppose, look, to be honest, we haven't even seen the full impact of that yet. Um, it's just emerging at the moment. Mm. So it's really important to to really start looking into your mental health, I think. We were encouraged during the pandemic to look after ourselves, be kind to ourselves, or as you put it, develop a good relationship with ourselves. Yeah, the relationship with yourself is probably one of the most important relationships you can have. Now, I know that's very easy for me to say because um, that's not something that we've been encouraged to do all our lives. That This is really only kind of emerging, as I said, in the last 10 years or so when personal development and um, looking after your mental health was starting to be encouraged. And I suppose, um, you know, looking after your emotions and managing and regulating your emotions as well, as opposed to suppressing them and, you know, that it not being acceptable to show your emotions or feel your emotions, mm. uh, so to speak. So um, developing a relationship with yourself and treating yourself like you would a loved one is now something we're really seeing the benefit of. 
Yeah, we, we've had to, well, I won't say we had to learn it. Many people knew it. But it was a concept, I think, and I don't know whether it's a uniquely Irish thing, Sarah. The idea that self-care and self-kindness, being kind to oneself, that's totally different to selfishness. We've had to learn that. Absolutely. Um, you know, I suppose there's this saying, oh, they love themselves or he loves himself or yes. she loves herself. Yes. You know, it's really seen as they're arrogant and they're, you know, that that is a quality not to be admired. And obviously there's a huge difference between actual self-love and appreciating and accepting yourself as you are and being arrogant. They're two totally different things. Mm. So self-love is about accepting yourself, treating yourself with compassion. And look, I know self-love is a is a, an ideal to be strived for. But even if you could get to the point of self-acceptance, we're seeing a huge amount of um, people not feeling good enough because of social media and comparison and all of those kind of issues are really coming to the fore now and people are just not feeling good enough in themselves they're doubting themselves they're comparing themselves to other people they feel that they haven't achieved enough in life you know success is a mm. huge buzzword now even in my own industry in coaching um, so it's about really trying to get to what do you like about yourself? What do you accept about yourself? And, you know, if there's like I do a, a, an exercise with people around confidence and looking at what they do and don't like. And people have so no issue whatsoever listing a big long list of things they don't like about themselves. And when it comes to things that they do like or love about themselves, they find it impossible. And I find that really sad. So it's about really trying to find what is it you do like about yourself? Look at yourself through your loved one's eyes. What do they see? And how can you kind of come around to that vision as well, you know? Yeah. The other, and there are many mantras and sayings and, and many motivational quotes, some of them ridiculous, some of them very useful that we've seen over the yeah. last while. One I love in particular, Sarah, is to learn to tell yourself frequently, I am enough. Absolutely. It's it's one of the most beneficial things you can do. Good enough is the thing you should really strive for as opposed to perfection. Perfection doesn't exist. It's just totally unrealistic, totally idealistic. Good enough is where you should be hoping to kind of reach. Also, it's about finding a balance between, you know, achieving and feeling that good enough feeling as well. Like it's just sometimes people get into a tunnel vision when it comes to perfection and achieving all this success. Sometimes it's not realistic. And the thing that people should be aware of as well, we'll say in my industry, in the coaching, in the personal development, there's a lot of toxic positivity out there now. And it's, oh, it's sending that message. There. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for going there. This, this stupid Lego movie, everything is awesome. Oh, it drives no, me no. demented. No, that's not realistic. And look, I'm not being negative either because there's this fear of being negative as well. It's about finding a balance. It's about finding what works for you. It's about, you know, looking at your mindset realistically and assessing it realistically and saying, OK, there's a belief here or there's a value here that, look, I took it from the people around me when I was younger and it's not serving me anymore. It's not about, oh, my God, I can't think another 
negative thought ever again. It's not that. It's doing it step by step, building your self-awareness mm. and doing what serves you as opposed to, you know, just going gung-ho, I need to be perfect, I need to be positive all the time. That is not realistic and it's not possible and it doesn't do you any favours. In fact, it might do more harm than good. I can do, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Finally, for now, uh, Sarah, support. Do not be afraid to ask someone or to say to someone, listen, can, can I have five minutes? I need to talk to you about something. Don't be afraid of that. Yes, and don't suffer in silence, if at any cost at all. Um, you know, and sometimes, like I always say to people as well, if the first person you approach doesn't give you what you need, keep going, especially in the likes of talk therapies and counselling and things like that. I've been through it myself before many times and sometimes a person, it needs to be a right fit. And also, you know, speaking about mental health and if you feel that you need support with your mental health, your first call should be your GP and, you know, seek advice from them. And then there's other excellent organisations. There's people that you can talk with, like the Samaritans, they have their free phone number, 116123. And then you have um, organisations like Jigsaw that really support, are really doing an awful lot of work in Ireland around the area of mental health. They have a big thing up in UCC at the moment. They're doing a big project around Mental Health Awareness Week as well. And, um, you know, there is support out there. Please don't think that there isn't. There's loads of counsellors. There's loads of different there's people like myself who do personal development. There is so much support out there. It's just that sometimes we find we can't, you know, that it's not um, it's not shouted from the rooftops, unfortunately. OK, well, we'll be shouting a bit about it in the next week or so. Uh, thank you very much. That's Sarah Cooney from the Merry Me Centre. She's an adult life coach and will be marking in many ways over the next week or so Mental Health Week, which began yesterday and runs until uh, next next week. 1850-715-996. Hi, can you please call out uh, my sister, Liliella, this is a lovely name, Liliella Buckley, who's 14, She's from Middleton. She'll represent Cork this weekend on Ireland's Junior Eurovision semi-final, which is on TG Cahar Sunday night at 8.30. Also proud wishing Liliella. There's a lovely name. Liliella. Uh, the best of luck. And speaking of talented youngsters, I am delighted to say, and we'll do more about this next week, I am absolutely thrilled to say that Teen Idol will be back this year. I was talking to the organisers in the last couple of days and there's a venue and there's one or two sponsors and there's some good prizes lined up and Teen Idol is something I've been proud to be involved with for quite a number of years now. I have the, uh, the privilege of hosting their final every year and look at the, the, the talent among our teens and youngsters in particular that's out there. Uh, the future of the music industry is in very safe hands in Cork and Teen Idol will be back and I'll tell you more about it next week. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. What do I mentioned earlier on this morning, my podcast... This week, I said it was someone who'd been on the show a few times. 
But we have a whole different side to him in the podcast. And it was, I made a note in my notes <laughs> to mention it when I was talking to Ronan Boland about vaccines and all that. But I forgot, so I'll tell you now. Tomorrow on my podcast, 20 Minutes With, which goes up on Spotify and Apple and Google and all your various podcast platforms, goes up Saturday around about midday. My guest this week on the programme is Dr. Niall Conroy. We've had Niall on a few times. He is based in a place called Wide Bay in Queensland in Australia. And we've had him on about public health and the pandemic and Ireland versus Australia in terms of how they dealt with the pandemic and how we dealt with the pandemic. But there's a whole other side to Niall. And uh, we sat down with him on Skype a week or two ago to record for tomorrow. So it's a fascinating story. Uh, tomorrow runs in my uh, 20 Minutes With podcast uh, be available on Spotify and all the other platforms sometime after midday. 1850 715 996. Some telly for the weekend. The, the, the nights are closing in or clo- they've closed in already and the weather forecast isn't as good as it used to be at all. So we're gathering around the telly. At the moment, I'm watching something so stupid, so utterly Utterly stupid. I'm really enjoying it. But Sherry Donovan has a few ones for us to watch and and one that we might kind of take or leave, I think. And that's the one I'll start with, Shirley, if you don't mind. Murder Island. I read through the concept of this and I thought, okay, that's a bit risky. Does it work? Good morning. Good morning. Um, oh, God. You know what? This could have really worked. Yeah. But unfortunately, it just literally the trail went cold on me anyway. Um, you know, the way we have these, you know, it's the it's it's the perfect concept. It has all the ingredients that everybody wants lately. Mm-hmm. It has true crime. It has reality. Um, but it's just not hitting the mark. Yeah. It's written by Ian Rankin, which so I thought this was going to really draw the viewers in exactly. and you'd be really immersed in it. Uh, but there's just no suspense. There's no drama. The case itself is interesting, but at the end of it, but you know, I only watched two episodes and I switched off. I felt like I was watching some weird corporate team building exercise. Right. This is a mystery, a kind of a, a mishmash between a murder mystery and... Ian Rankin is one of the best in the business at writing a good thriller that way and a reality TV show. Exactly. So you have four uh, pairs of what we would call, I suppose, armchair detectives, true crime fans. You have three experts, um, superintendents and murder detectives leading them. And they are brought to a fictional crime scene on an island in Scotland and they are tasked with solving the crime. And whoever solves the crime the fastest wins the money. Um, And as I say, the crime and the setup of that is very good. But I suppose because it's this mismatch of um, flashbacks telling the viewers the story interspersed with the reality element of it, it's kind of neither here nor there. So it doesn't hook you into either side of it. Yeah, yeah. The biggest problem, I think, seems to be that there's nobody to actually care about. No, because there's not enough of the story or the development of any characters for you to have an an investment in them. Mm. And then similarly, you don't get to know any of the actual people investigating. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. It's a strange one. I I haven't had a look yet. Um, I might just go for pure pig iron. Where will I find it? 
You'll find it on, it's airing on Channel 4 and if to play catch up, you'll get it on the All 4 app. On the All 4 app. Now, this one, yeah. trending very high on Netflix, Made, looks interesting. Yes. What's that about? Very, very strong drama. So Made is a 10-part drama series, so nice handy one for those of us who don't want to invest in long, you know, long series. Um, it's about a single mom called Alex who finds herself homeless with her daughter after escaping an abusive relationship. Um, so it's kind of that plunged into poverty kind of story that we do see a lot, mm. but it's not played out in a very melodramatic way either. It's very subtle and soft and kind of, um, it's very authentic. Yeah, she, she, she walks out on a very emotionally abusive relationship and then develops a business of her own. It's not kind of um, happy-go-lucky rags-to-riches stuff, is it? Absolutely not. And that's what I kind of liked about it. It's not this saccharine sweet, all's well that ends well. It's kind of you're brought along of this. She finds herself in this ever never ending cycle of kind of catch 22 situations, which is very, I suppose it's very authentic in terms of, you know, trying to get welfare. You have to have a pay slip to qualify for this. You can't get a job because you don't have an address. All of these challenges that she faces and it's kind of her dealing with that and kind of it doesn't drag you down. Mm. it keeps you hooked in and it's just shows you the situation of kind of that endless cycle of poverty and it's it's the, the lead actress in this um her name is margaret qualley she's actually andy mcdowell's oh that looks like the end of that for now at least unfortunately that's made on netflix we were also going to talk about uh, britney versus spears it's been a big year Britney Spears-wise, lots of different news. And, of course, the dad kicked off the conservative ship or conservatorship there a week or two ago. It's not over yet. It's back in court next month. But another big documentary called uh, Britney versus Spears. There's a couple of them out there. As Shirley's back, we'll bring her back on the phone. Shirley, you've been watching that one, Britney versus Spears. Yes. Yeah. So this is, again, this is number one trending, number one in Ireland. Um, and I think there's probably a huge appetite for news of Britney at the moment because it's such a huge media story. So yeah. this was the documentary that everybody was waiting for. It was two and a half years in the making. Um, and we have had other documentaries that have come out earlier this year. But this was kind of the one that everyone was waiting for. Yeah. And it's just come out now on Netflix last week. Um, I kind of, I'm on the fence about this one. I think the... The person behind it, Erin Lee Carr, she's a, a documentary filmmaker and there's a music journalist as well. They were very um, backed with this because they had a massive challenge. When they started making this documentary, it was two and a half years ago. Yeah. And then when the story of the conservatorship and all of that exploded in, in 2019, they were racing to stay ahead of this kind of shifting story. And they had nine or three that one's going to go as well, unfortunately. Surely that line's going to dump on us as well, unfortunately. That's, yeah, that one is called Britney versus Spears on Netflix. It's coming at the, around the same time as controlling Britney Spears. Sorry about that. That doesn't seem to be working for us, unfortunately. Uh, thanks, Shirley, anyway, for being with us on the Opinion Line. 1850-715-996. The one I'm watching at the moment is... It was on ITV years ago, and it lasted for 10 series. Most episodes are only about 20, 25 minutes on Netflix. 
It is stupid. It is crass. It is rude. It is every lousy cliche you've ever read about a package holiday. It's terrible. And I love it. It's called Benidorm. And it is just wonderful. Johnny Vegas is in it. And a few other well-known characters torn up in it. It's just fabulous. It's about a gang of Brits who go to the same tip of a holiday resort in Benidorm every year, the same week, all-inclusive, and think of every lousy cliche you ever associated with the Brits on holidays, and probably ourselves too. It's on Netflix at the moment. It's just it's just a laugh. It's utterly politically incorrect. If you wrote it today, it would never get out of the editing suite, which is one of the reasons why I like it. So in addition to Maid, and in addition to Murder Island, which you might want to try, and in addition to... Britney versus Spears, my recommendation for the week for a good laugh, particularly if you've missed your holidays over the last couple of years, Benidorm. Just some other stuff coming in. Suggest, I love this, and as we come into the winter, more people will suggest television shows. And if there's something you've found that we haven't talked about or haven't mentioned or you think we'd like, other listeners would like to watch it, then let us know what it is. On Sundays at nine, there is a BBC programme called Ridley Road. Ridley Road, when Nazis walked the lanes of London. It's about people rising up and helping the Jews rise up against the far right in London, including a look at the start of Tesco. That'd be interesting. Uh, Four episodes uh, down, two episodes ago, so six-parter on BBC. Thanks for that. Yeah, speaking of shops and retail, another one is well worth a look, and it it went off Netflix, but I heard a rumour it's coming back again, and that is Mr. Selfridge. Fabulous, fabulous programme starring Jeremy Piven and the great cast about the start of Selfridges. And Maeve, ah yes Maeve, Bendy Dorm, my guilty pleasure. I used to love it. Well it's all there again on uh, on um, Netflix with, with the ads gone. Cheers Maeve. Right, uh, to Parnell Square in Dublin and I think he was on yesterday just talking about it but I, I was in Donegal, uh, Grant, during the summer on my holidays and I deliberately sought out one of these houses that had been destroyed by mica, which most people might not know. This is a mineral that was in the bricks of the house. and The bricks were flipping absorbed water uh, and basically crumbled away to dust. And the houses are falling down. And there's a protest today. But I saw the video you did when you yourself visited one. And it's shocking and horrible. And people do deserve to have something done for them, don't they? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Most definitely. But, the, you know, the thing that really got to me was, like, when you see it on TV and there's somebody talking about their house and showing the crumbling block, like, that's one thing. But when you when you speak to people, they're like, oh, yeah, I have it, and my brother and my other brother and my sister and my niece, and and uh, and, and, and they, they're only talking about their, their family, you know, and there's still other people that have it too, their friends and stuff, you know. It, mm. it, that was one of the main things I learned there. 
And the other thing I, I noticed when I went for, and I, I think I know the one you were in because it's down there on the coast, the one you went wandering around. I found another one inland a bit, and like that now, it was abandoned. Got out of the car, went for a walk around it. And when people say my house is falling down, they actually are falling down. Absolutely. The, 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 the one that I put up, the, the really bad one, um, the, the owner arrived while I was there kind of unexpectedly. And he told me that he started noticing problems back in 2006 and 2007. And he had to send, to, you know, you know they, they drill a section out of the block and send it off to Cornwall. And that was the only place that could do the specific tests needed because at that stage they didn't really know it was MICA. And, um, and anyway, um, what was I going to say? So, so he, his point of view was all, all quarries making blocks should have been stopped straight away. And then they would have to prove that they're not making defective blocks before they can start trading again. And if that had happened back in 2007, there wouldn't be this three billion euro problem. Yeah, because I think the, the, the basic chemical simplicity of this is the, blo- the blocks absorb water from the wind and the rain. They absorb water and they turn to mush. Absolutely, and uh, apparently, like, it, it, you know, there was a prime time done in 2016 on the issue, and at that time, they looked into the building regulations, and they went all the way, way back to 1949, and at that time, the recommendation was less than 1% micro in a block. Now, the one guy I visited, um, he had several, you know, blocks attested from several different locations in, uh, from his house, but the, the worst one had... I had a 28% micro content, 28%. Mm. Apparently, a 1% uh, amount of micro results in a 5% you know, deterioration in the block. Yeah. So 28% would automatically make that block just totally worthless. Yeah, it rots like wet timber. It's effectively what happens with it. Well, I'd say timber's even stronger, you know, under this situation almost, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, they, they, but there are other things like the recycle, you know, like the family have been encouraged, you know, they need to recycle things like the kitchen and um, staircase and doors and windows. And, I mean, that was in the, 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 the previous scheme, which is being protested about now. But, I mean, some of those windows were bowed, you know, and, yeah. and doors, the, awful, the doors wouldn't awful. close anymore. Grant, what takes you to the protest? I mean, you went all the way from Cork to Donegal to have a look and now you joined the protest. You really do believe these people need to get 100% redress, give them the money and then the government say go after the developers. Well, I mean, like, well, I, you know, personally, I, you know, the government, did, there was no regulation, right? That was the problem. Yeah. If you read, you know, Owen O'Brien's book, Defects, if you read that, it's, yeah, it's mostly yeah. about well, it, well, it's about other, as you know, other, other problems. Um, but um, basically, the, the, in the book, it said that there wasn't even the, the staff. And they didn't have enough staff to even go and do inspect premises, properties, you know, being built under construction. So, I mean, I think the government's to blame, you know, in, in a big way. But, I mean, everybody's negating responsibility. The quarry, quarry say they made the blocks to the best specifications. The, the home bond is not in the picture, the insurance companies aren't in the picture. So these, these people are desperate, like. But, you know, my, my view is, like, in Cork, for example, there's talk of building a, a Lewis line from Balancholic to Mahan. Yeah. And uh, from one website I saw, I thought the cost was a billion. I don't know, is that accurate, you know? But Something like say that, yeah. It's say it's a billion, right? Now, the thing is, when you go into the A&E, you know, ward, and you've got a cut in your arm, 
you're triaged, right? Are you going to die or is the guy with the knife sticking out of his heart? You know, what are we going to do first? We'll do the guy with the heart, you know? So, so I think that's what has to happen in this case. You know, can, can we not survive on getting the bus from, Mahan to, from Balancholic to Mahan for another few years and give that one billion to the people in Donegal? Yeah. Um, because I, I certainly think they deserve it. And I mean, on top of that, the wind hasn't been blowing this year. So the electricity to power that um, Lewis, if it's not blowing, it's going to be from coal or gas anyway. You know? Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point, Grant. You're there in Parnell Square at the moment and they're marching towards the Doyle um, for the protest about Micah redress. The only thing I would say, thanks, Grant, the only thing I would say is why are they up there today? Because I don't think the Doyle is sitting today or is it it sits some fridays is the doll actually sitting today no a lot of people actually do that they have a protest to the doll on a day the doll isn't sitting but that's that's how it is do you remember i asked you earlier on about if you ever done something daft uh in the canaries years ago lying on the beach topless says this message this fella shouts out hi who's from bandon <laughs> and half the beach turned over Thanks. On television, Motherland on Netflix. For anyone who's ever had a child uh, in school, it's hilarious. I've seen that flash up on my recommendations. There's another great comedy, actually. It's uh, set in Scotland. It's two old lads who've been friends since they were boys. Uh, It's called Still Game. It was originally made by BBC Scotland. And like that, it's totally politically incorrect. The characters are just demented in it. And it's called Still Game, and that's on Netflix. So Still Game, and, and I, I, there's more than one person that said, ah, oh, yeah, we watch Benidorm. We wouldn't tell anyone about it, but we do. We watch Benidorm. It's a guilty pleasure. And like that, we'll do that now during the winter. If you have anything that you spot on television that you think our listeners would like to know about, then pop us a message because we can't we can't pick up on it all, you know. <laughs> and we will message or me- mention your your television favourites, not the ones that are everyone's watching now. The ones that you think, come here. I think PJ's listeners might like that. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie You're listening to Highlights from The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie.